0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode number six of the R.I.P. podcast. Uh, I'm joined by Barnaby and Christoph, as usual. We hope you had a very, very good week. And uh, we've got a pretty good show for you this week. Uh, There's quite quite some some big names actually we're going to be talking about. Um, So record releases this week, we're going to be talking about uh, the new Foo Fighters album, uh, the new album from Love and Death. And uh, our Slayton Celebrated section this week, uh, we're going to be discussing the eighth studio album by Death Metal Legends, Morbid Angel. Um, But before we dive into uh, that ting, uh, news-wise, I thought I wanted to just uh, open up with... um, Actually, before we do news, fuck that. That's very, very rude of me. I've, I've literally... What I've done is I've dived straight into this fucking thing headfirst. Uh, I should probably start off by asking you, how, uh, how has your week been, Barney, first?
1: Uh, good Good. see we got some organisation <laughs> going now. Um, I know, yeah, I love been... that. I
0: remembered from last week that you know, you're both kind of answered at the same time. Yeah. Uh, get, we, need like a a, we need like a
1: teleprompter. We need like a teleprompter kind of thing. Like <laughs> they have right. on live news. Yeah, it's not been too bad. Besides freezing my absolute tits off because of the cold. I mean, let me tell you, living on the steel, living in a steel cage in the cold in the winter is not fun, because it doesn't let heat out in the summer and it doesn't keep heat in in the winter. So I spend the summer either freezing my, either roasting my nuts off or in the winter freezing my tits off. But wow. uh, other than that, business as usual. Can't complain really.
0: Barney's not a wrestler, by the way. He's a man that lives on a boat. Just, just for that Steel Cage reference. I I'm, not, I'm not it. that no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it has been fucking cold lately. Uh, what about you, Christoph? If you had a good week, mate.
2: Oh, mate, it's been cracking. I, uh, I received a package. I ordered, fuck, Christmas time from America. And I've been oh. worried because the whole tracking th- system was just fucked. Right. And there had been no updates for about a month and a half. Okay. And I just assumed it was lost into the shit abyss. Oh, right. Shit. It turned oh, up day before yesterday. What is it? It's a Kandama made out of skateboard ply. Oh, like, nice. You know, nice. Yeah, nice. dude. It's it was cool. really fucking cool. And I received these two badasses from my childhood.
0: Oh, oh so really everyone, nice. everyone, uh Andrea? Christoph's yeah.
2: holding up, uh, what are they, mine? Are they seven yeah, inches? Yeah, seven inches. So the red Time to Waste vinyl which is where my uh, Instagram handle comes from. And uh, why will not it come out? (laughs) Transparent orange of the first AFI. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. Look at that. I love love the color on it.
2: I had this as a kid. There were like 500 printed. And when I was about 14, I bought two copies, one for me and one for my uh, school friend. And then over the years, it just kind of, disappeared and i managed to pick one up the other day Mm.
0: stoked that's That's, uh i mean that's one great thing about the internet the fact that you can now kind of track down those very rare kind of uh old school vinyls that were only a limited amount were printed but you can obviously you know or pressed should i say not printed um yeah but you can kind of track them down and you know with the right price you can you know you can get you can get them back you know you can uh all of those uh all those memories um yeah but uh that's cool i'm glad that you guys have had a good week
1: um how about you, know, you? Uh, yeah exactly <laughs> how about you Stephen? how's your week been
0: it's been all right <laughs> you know i mean it's uh it's kind of in a state of um of repetitiveness you know you, i mean for me personally i <clears throat> i work from home but you know it's kind of you you know you do the same routine day in day out but it's been all right you know i mean it's uh it's been fine (laughs) i mean thankfully i've had uh i've had you know netflix to and and multiple books to keep me preoccupied but um uh, i did want to it's a good segue actually because um i say netflix and uh, i kind of wanted to go into um go into something that i i recently finished on netflix um so i don't know if either of you two i mean i i think christoph you've got a netflix account right so you tend to watch a load of stuff i don't know do do you get netflix on boats barnaby or Um, is that like a
1: i could get a netflix account on my laptop but i don't currently all right that's fine
0: but uh anyways so netflix i mean that's kind of been i'm pretty sure you know uh, for a lot of people that's kind of been a a godsend in terms of keeping you preoccupied and keeping your, you know, keeping uh, your mind active and watching, you know, different shows week after week, month after month. Um, And uh, there was a, there was a, a show. Now um, I just want to emphasize that this is, uh, this isn't music related necessarily, uh, but it does kind of tie into our discussion last week about the whole, um, cancel culture thing and you know w- w- yeah. with the ongoing thing with marilyn manson um so i recently finished a netflix show uh it's just just off a whim i decided to chuck something random on um just just for some background noise while i was doing some things and um i found myself becoming more engrossed with it um and, and I, I won't go into the specifics of the show just in case you know anybody listening hasn't yet seen it or you know if following this you want to go and check it out um now the name of the show is called the vanishing at the cecil hotel um which is one of these kind of uh true crime documentaries uh very much in the vein of like a making a murderer or um i don't know i mean i'm, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of those related things on netflix at the moment because uh, you know they're netflix originals um Now, I mean, if the name wasn't enough of a clue, it's essentially a crime documentary about a woman that checks into a hotel in Los Angeles and then goes missing. Um, It does become a pretty high profile case for many reasons. Um, But, you know, it then started to attract thousands of amateur detectives um, taken to the Internet. You know, I mean, with their experience of like serving coffees and being dentists, they kind of feel like their opinions invaluable when it comes to, uh, you know, the FBI and all these official oh, bodies yeah. that, you know, that, that are there. And, and, you know, they've got the relevant training to do said job. Um <laughs> Now, it's 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 around the third episode where um this starts to get to, you know, my reasoning for bringing it to the show now. um I believe on the third episode there's a uh there's basically uh so as i said before that there's obviously these uh these amateur uh you know people on social media that don't have any kind of background when it comes to you know uh law and and you know detective work or really anything of that nature you know that they don't have any of the facts presented to the other than what the you know the authorities really choose to release to the public um, so, as I say, around the third episode, um, these amateur detectives come across a video on YouTube from a gentleman named Pablo Vigera, um who is also known by his stage name as morbid
2: mm.
0: now, um he's a black metal musician uh who you know aesthetically very much looks like he stepped out of like a dimu Gear seminar you know he, yeah.
1: he, does, <laughs> number one he
0: does the whole corpse paint thing the sort of spikes you know with the coming out of his arms you know what i mean when i when i say yeah, that the whole
1: shagrath. You know,
0: exactly um now uh this this fella so he essentially um put up a video on youtube um of him just chilling in his hotel room And uh, the the hotel that he happened to find himself in was the Cecil Hotel. Um, Now, bear in mind that this video he put up on his YouTube channel was a video that was posted a year prior to any of this stuff that was going on. Um, You know, a year prior to this woman checking into this hotel. Um, But once again, like these detectives and i'm using the uh you know the the, the quotation hand yeah, gestures
1: uh, right.
0: they saw this video and uh and they obviously then delved into you know the other stuff on his channel you know his music you know i mean he's a black metal musician so traditionally you're gonna look at a black metal musician and see all the blood and the gore and you know the corpse paint and you're immediately then gonna i mean well these individuals immediately their minds went to you know well it's got to be him you know he's the guy he's the one that's killed her blah 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 you know regardless of the time stamp on the video it's got to be him because he aesthetically looks like that he writes music about this kind of stuff um and effectively what then happened was in the fallout of all of these accusations so i mean you name it uh, he had death threats. He had all of his social media accounts blocked. Uh, you know, he basically had his entire life uh, taken. Yeah, in in, in in literally overnight, like that. You know, it's just everything that you know he had done in terms of his art and in terms of you know his, his social media presence was uh, was taken away just purely because of the association between him, the hotel and this case that happened a year later um now in the um in the documentary because uh they they do track him down and obviously they, they do a uh quite a in-depth interview with him um which again is is on like episode three i believe of the uh the show now uh, in the de- documentary he makes it perfectly clear that uh you know he had nothing to do with the case um I mean, in terms of him providing evidence, I mean, he he basically gave documentation, like receipts that proved that he checked into the hotel a year prior to the incident. Um, Not only that, he wasn't even in the country when this kind of shit took place. I believe he was in Mexico recording an album. Yeah. Um, But, (laughs) you know, despite all of this, he was essentially being painted to be this person that was a murderer and like this person that, you know, done all these abhorrent things. Um, And, you know, in the wake of all of this, he effectively lost his passion for music. Uh, I mean, at one point in the documentary, he even uh, claimed to have attempted to take his own life as a result of, you know, all of this shit that went on. And, um, i mean after this discussion that we had last week about the whole cancel culture thing and then seeing this it just made it abundantly clear that social media is such a dangerous tool um when it comes to uh you know this information being released to the general public and then then basically having an effect on moving forward how you know how everything uh uh comes to a head you know i mean uh, regardless of <clears throat> what happens in the case and uh and what have you it, they're not considering the fact that these kind of things have an impact on people's lives and people's livelihoods um, exactly yeah and uh yeah i mean i just wanted to very briefly bring it up just in case you know anyone that didn't see our point of view last week when we were discussing the whole Marilyn Manson allegations. Um, um, I, I mean, I can't recommend anyone checking this out enough just so you can purely see where the frustration comes from uh, when you look at how social media tackles these issues in the way in which that social media has this control over someone's livelihood before there's any kind of investigation done, uh, you know, from a from a law point of view. Um, I mean, presumably you two haven't heard of this for me bringing it up mm,
1: um, i heard little bits of it but i haven't heard of the full story uh so, okay. in short no.
0: yeah
2: that, that's oh, fair enough for tomorrow for sure
0: yeah i mean i i can't recommend it enough i mean even if i mean the, the documentary itself is you know it's i mean as i said i mean i became engrossed from it i, I put it on purely just for some back, background noise but the, the 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 more it went on i just found myself kind of drawing to it um more and more. But um it really, really did kind of it it struck a chord with me as soon as I saw the fact that, you know, there's someone here that just likes black metal. (laughs) And, you know, and when it comes to artistic expression, he's being painted into a corner um just purely because he's a fan of black metal and because he likes aesthetically that whole thing. I mean it's
1: Yeah, exactly. um,
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I just wanted to bring it up just to really further the point from last week where, you know, uh, social media has this kind of judge jury executioner uh, vibe about it when, you know, they don't have all the facts presented to them. They don't. They're they're not. (laughs) They serve coffee and they drill holes into people's teeth. You know why the fuck should that have any kind of uh, yeah. effect on their th- this person's livelihood until yeah. that said person is proven to be guilty. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, if I may bring something in, it's also I think I think it's a little bit of a mockery to people who actually do this shit professionally, like people who are professional detectives, work with the FBI and stuff like that. So some fucking nobody who, as you said, serves coffee and like is a dentist suddenly yep. watches CSI Miami and thinks they can be fucking Horatio Cane and go, oh, I'm gonna solve this <laughs> case and blow it wide open. It's just like. It's a mockery, I think. And in regards to the whole cancel culture, I feel like I made my thoughts very clear last episode. (laughs) So if anybody wants to go and see my thoughts on that, and well, our thoughts, should I say, then they can go listen to last week's episode, because I think I've said enough personally about the whole thing regarding cancel culture.
0: Absolutely. 100%. Cool. All right. Was there anything else in the headlines that you had uh, this week, Barnaby?
1: Oh, I'll bring in some more uh, positive news, shall I? I've got, um, okay, two bits of positive news that I'm going to whiz and then one questionable, questionable, Oh, apologies, bit of news. Questionable. Right, the, questionable, yeah. Um, not in a dodgy sense or anything like that, but we will leave you scratching your heads. Uh, the first study I wanted yeah. to bring up is, study shows listening to metal reduces anxiety, blood pressure, and heart rate. And for that, I'm just going to do the Jesse Pinkman science bitch pose. <laughs> So basically, this is a study done by, uh, where was it? It's done by uh, a website called veraclinic.net, which is a hair transplant company. And they've done studies into, I know, hear me out on this one. I know it sounds strange. They've done studies that show a direct correlation between stress and hair loss in men. So the company wanted to find out the most effective music uh, for reducing anxiety. And it turns out the most effective genre was metal. Okay, and Are you the sure least they the...
2: didn't falsely look into it and go. Do you know what? all of the Ninety-eight percent of these metalheads have really long hair. So I have like, <laughs> so. not be very and then you'll side, be when like you look at most of the it like, like, oh, heads... works exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> and even if they're bold, they've got like three foots worth of beard. So
1: yeah, but look at Kerry yeah. King. Like he didn't lose his hair; it just fucking went from his head to his fucking chin.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know about you lot, but I mean. I mean, when it comes to listening to, you know, what's classed as like tradition, like mainstream traditional pop music, like Ed Sheeran and fucking, uh, you name it, like Justin Bieber. I mean, Cardi B. Who who, oddly they will come up a bit later in this show. Um, Like, I find myself being like so, in uh, just so. I don't even know the words I can use to express it. It's just, I don't know who listens to that music on a day to day basis. I I find it weird. Anyone that doesn't listen to aggressive music. I just, just, it's just such a weird, can you imagine, right? Waking up one day and then you don't want to listen to any kind of music that's like aggressive or, uh, you know, I can't imagine people that go by that just, just day by day goes by their lives Just thinking, you know, that Ed Sheeran's great and that's all I'm going to listen to for the rest of my life. I just find it such such a weird thing that there are people out there that don't have a craving for just listening to something that's like aggressive and like gets you, you know, gets your heart pumping and your adrenaline going. Um, You know, but I mean, in in terms of a hair loss point of view, (laughs) um, I mean. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they probably know more about the science in terms of receding hairlines. Yeah, and, what, and what the, have science
1: you. Is, the science is fascinating behind it. I mean, it just proves the point though. like, there's also been other studies done that show metalheads um, or people who listen to metal music have found a healthy way to deal with like anxiety and personal issues through the music. So basically, they've just proven our point. So, anyone who thinks that metal is for angry people, we've got science behind our backs. So, watch the fuck out. <laughs> and one thing i wanted to add quickly before i close this article is that techno seemed to be the genre which actually increased uh, anxiety in this study It was 78 percent of respondents reporting an increase in blood pressure when listening to it so i mean if you want so if you've got a receding hairline and you want to stop it don't listen to skrillex
0: well i was gonna say like fuck me i mean that that singer from scoot is a bit
2: fucking q-ball now isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I oh god I love, god oh that, I love, fuck, I that love fuck 2020 song
1: that oh, they came oh out yeah with,
2: jesus christ
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think i listened to it once and i was just like this is this cannot be happening this is just unreal
2: and like <laughs> what's when what's you point? think the scooter when you think 2020 couldn't get any worse Scooter come out of the woodwork for the first time for like <laughs> 10 years yeah. just to make it worse while trying to, they're like, oh, we're gonna make it better. now, nah, dude, you've just pulled petrol on a fire. <laughs> <It's> like... <And laughs> fucked.
0: If you just wasn't kicked the... the fucking hornet's nest. If it wasn't for the fact that they had the word fuck in some of their songs, they would be a a, a Butlins Redcoat band, you know? They would be there with <laughs> oh, fucking yeah. Dick and Dom. So, Oh, does everyone remember Scooter? Yeah, here they are with their song. F star star K 2020.
1: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the fucking botlands up in the fucking Skegness or somewhere like that. Yeah. I, I mean,
0: that. uh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, all I can say is, uh, you know, Ed Sheeran listeners, put Sepultura on. You might thank, you. You might thank your hairline later on.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you listen to Mumford and Sons, you got a receding hairline. My, I, we recommend a product of Hate's new album, You Brought This War.
0: <laughs> it'll grow yes, it'll grow yes. it'll
1: grow your hair back within the first two tracks
0: absolutely oh shout out to them by the way before we move on um i believe that their new record that we reviewed last week uh is actually turning out to be quite a success in terms of album charts and whatnot uh so uh yeah power to uh product of hate and um let's hope that that band start uh start kind of crossing over to. Uh, you know, the fan base that they, they deserve. Um,
1: Absolute, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Anything else in the news, Barnaby?
1: Right. I've got two stories I'm going to whiz through quite quickly. Oh, right. Oh this is God. a questionable one. Now, okay. uh, it's not questionable for the sense you might think. Uh, but listen to this. This comes from our brethren and your good old US of A. Stadiums, okay. stadiums and arenas in New York can open starting February the 23rd. February, to, so 10
0: days from now.
1: Basically, yeah. Large arenas and stadiums throughout New York State will be permitted to open for business uh, starting on February the 23rd, stating Governor of New York State, Andrew Cuomo, who I mentioned, and I think it was episode 2, along with a, in a study with Anthony Fauci. So, this so qualifies for venues uh, um, where the t- capacity of 10,000 people are up, but this is where the head scratching begins. So, under the new regulations, they will only be able to operate at 10% capacity. Can you imagine venues making any money off of that at all? This is why I wanted to bring it up. So, they've got some sporting events planned. That's fair enough, like some NBL games and MLB and stuff like that. Okay. But no band's going to suddenly go, oh, we can play at 10% capacity venue. Absolutely, we're going to do that. It just left my head scratching. Like, no band's going to look at that and think it's it's viable. Because they'd lose so much money on it straight from the get-go.
0: Well, you question, like even the venue in itself like you gotta think that it costs a lot of money to put on a gig you know from a uh from the point of view of like you know staff that you've got to employ to be there uh electricity uh you know and uh i imagine that like or well, you'd assume that traditionally you know prior to a pandemic Uh, you know, these arena filled bands would uh more than make up the costs for not only the um for putting them on in the first place, you know, but obviously um paying staff's wages, uh, exactly, you know, all sorts. Now, (laughs) I don't know who is then going to be covering the costs of you know, because you got to think that if you get you know these bands that come into these stadiums and what have you, these huge venues that. 10% Ten percent of their ticket sales aren't going to be enough to cover the wages of the, the staff. You know, security, bar staff, uh, sound, you know, sound men or whatever. You know, it's yeah, like
1: sound technicians, video, lights, the yeah, crew, yeah. the trucker, truck drivers to transport the gear to the next venue. Like, there's a lot of cost to it.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I do question, you know, the financial aspect of it. Uh, I mean, it sounds good. Um, I mean, you could argue as well that. I mean, how is that going to operate in terms of um, ticket sales? Because it's going to kind of feel a bit kind of, oh, well, first come, first serve, I suppose. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, that would be something that would have to be addressed further down the line. I don't know if Live Nation would be doing now or Ticketmaster yeah. or one of these big companies. Okay. We'd have to just see, to be honest. Um there is one very p- promising thing which I wanted to bring up. Uh, there was a study done in Germany, I think it was this past autumn that concluded the risk of getting covid nineteen or catching covid nineteen at concerts uh, was actually quite low as long as certain precautions were taken, among of them like major improvements to the ventilation systems and venues and so forth and so forth, which is all promising but the problem is if, if a venue needs to make major upgrades to its ventilation systems, it's gonna cost a lot of money. Like could you imagine someone like the garage trying to install like COVID safe ventilation or whatever it is?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh I I mean whether or not this this kind of stuff appeals to uh, you know, we we're, we're talking about like the O two in London. Or, exactly. Uh, you know, like
1: Genting, uh, in, Genting in Birmingham or
0: yeah just like these huge corporately owned stadiums and and uh and arenas then you could in a way kind of see you know maybe maybe uh, they could have that in place um i mean it's interesting that they're like primarily focusing on like the ventilation in venues because i mean you've also got to consider the fact that i don't know if you've got like a lot of crowd participation you know a lot of jumping around a lot of moshing a lot of circle pits
1: Walls of death. i mean yeah
0: i mean like regardless of ventilation you're still going to be up in people's shit
1: you know yeah exactly
0: <laughs> so you're still going to be breathing on people um
1: yeah exactly
0: and, i mean i'm not a, vi- a virologist or whatever but i can pre. i can kind of assume that you know regardless of ventilation in a venue if you're like you know nose to nose with somebody and breathing on them and you've got like a, you know, a virus, your priest. I mean, I would assume that you're pretty kind of likely to, uh, to pick something up, but exactly. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's kind of fair play to, um, you know, it was New York that were, we're yeah, playing, uh, yeah,
1: New York, New York state as a whole, so not just New York City, but the entire state, the state of New York. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, fair play to them for, uh, you know, I mean, cause in terms of, uh you know venues in this country i mean i there's nothing in the news at the moment about any kind of live live events or anything of that nature you know whereas it's at least it kind of it still seems to be something that is frequently being chucked around in the uh, the news in different countries whereas here right now uh i don't think we're even at a point where we can even consider um events you know, because we're still quite ingrained in. Yeah, we're still to...
1: we're still on this shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, can't yeah. Even consider opening a shop, let alone let exactly. people. You know, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't go and buy a T-shirt at the minute. Let alone go to a gig and run yeah. around and shout in a stranger's face. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> fucking
1: get so... into a mosh pit with the guy wearing the stained pantera T-shirt that's got kebab spilled down the front of it.
2: Yeah, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah well you've obviously been hanging out with me too much barnaby um,
1: <laughs> that's why we're such good
0: mates yeah uh but i mean if we can't have a pub open at the moment um you know i i can't see big venues being uh a yeah. thing
1: uh, at I the moment it, but i agree
0: yeah uh what was the other thing
1: oh right i'm gonna move on to a little bit of better uh well I wouldn't say bad news, not least questionable use. Um, Alexi Leho is going to finally get the final hurrah he deserves as Bodum After Midnight are going to release their 14 minute, three song EP, Paint the Sky with Blood, on April the 23rd by Napalm Records. And it's going to consist, consist of two original songs and a cover of Dissection's 1995 song, Where the Angels Lie, which is a fucking ripper of a track. I just wanted to bring this up because I feel like obviously with losing Alexi Leher, which was a massive blow to the metal community, it's really touching to see him getting this final hurrah which he deserves. And it'll be a fitting piece to his uh, everlasting legacy. So I just wanted to bring that up quickly to honor him.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean uh, you can sure as I mean you can be certain that I'm going to be listening to it. I mean uh, it was a a devastating thing to start the year off with. Uh, I mean I don't think anybody saw Alexi Leho checking out anytime soon. Uh, And it was, you know, I mean, it was was an enormous loss for the metal community. Um, So I'm happy that, you know, we'll kind of have one last bit of material that we can listen to to uh, celebrate.
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, and I think that um, it's going to be certainly it's going to be appreciated a lot more uh, in terms of, you know, the the sheer talent i mean you know that b- before even listening to it you know it's going to be that you know it's going to be alexi Leho just doing the incredible stuff that he had you know that he had done up to that point um you know and it'll be it'll be it will be nice to listen to it i mean that th- it will be tinted i think with a bit of sadness because you know that you know sadly absolutely this is, is going to be the last time that you're going to hear brand new stuff from him but um yeah yeah so it's cool uh you know i i feel that i mean he's on the he's on the cover of metal hammer this month um you know and he's 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 not there just purely because of the you know the, the devastating news of his death i mean he is there because he was that much of a talent and that much of a uh an artist you know i mean he's he was an incredible human being from a yeah
1: from a absolutely. from a talent point
0: of view i mean uh yeah i I, I i'm looking forward to it but i mean it will be it will be tinted with sadness slightly because you you just know that it's going to be the uh the, the last brand new material for him um all right well has anybody else got anything else for news this this week or is that uh
2: there even all right Any cool. brief bit actually just a little heads up
1: yeah
2: offspring are back in the studio and working on a new album
1: oh seriously oh, i, I had no idea I, yeah, yes! dude. I, oh, I, I dude. Haven't, they haven't
2: put out any like time scale or anything. But I was just flicking through the internet the other day and yeah, they're back recording their first new music for years, which I've stoked on.
1: Oh dude, that's gonna be Wait, so didn't have a falling super... out with the guitarist a while ago? Like, what's the situation on who's playing lead guitar?
2: Um, I'm not hundred percent sure.
1: I swear like, I'm... I swear, I remember they had a falling out with like the original guitarist or something like that. I could be mistaken, but oh man, I'm stoked for that news. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit of a low key Offspring fan.
2: I was always like stoked that they stopped making music when they did, because you know bands like Blink and Good Shot, a lot of bands within that sort of Green Day and that sort of little oh, good, good area, shot. all got really shit. And I feel like Offspring stopped before they fell into the same trap as oh. all the rest of them. And we, got, we got to do a start. good
1: Charlotte release for Slated and Celebrated, because I feel like that's one I want to discuss in further detail. Lord. We could do like The Young and the Hopeless or something like that. <laughs>
0: yeah, well. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> we could do. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for a new Offspring's Records. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 I love Offspring. I mean, I think Osprey are one of those ones that kind of very much in the vein of no effects for me, where they're just one of those bands where you can, can't really resist them uh, when, yeah. you've had, when you've had a couple of, of beers and you're just like you want to have a good kind of good time to some uh, bouncy punk rock, uh, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Exactly. I, I, yeah, they're fucking they're great. I love Osprey. Uh Yeah, well, let's hope that we get that records uh, later on this uh, this year. But. Um... If that's it for news this week, I suppose we should probably uh, crack on with the reviews section of the show. Okay, uh, so the first record that we're going to be looking at this week comes from a band called Love and Death with their second record called Perfectly Preserved on Earache Records. Um, They are a Christian metal band um originating from phoenix arizona uh, and they're very much the creation of legendary dread headed guitarist brian head welsh of corn fame um now funnily enough um i only became aware of this band um when it came to head rejoining corn back in 2013 um which is mad to think that it's he's been back in the band for eight years and we've we've obviously had like three corn albums since then. It's it's crazy. Um, but anyways, I, I remember back in 2013 thinking like, oh yeah, well, let's see what Head's been up to before he rejoined Corn. And um, and I listened to uh their EP, uh, so Love and Death obviously is a band that he had been uh invested in since leaving Corn. Um and they had had an ep out called chemicals and uh, i remember really enjoying it uh, because from like the incarnation of corn till about 2005 when he when he obviously left the band um head wasn't really known for melodic vocals in any shape or form uh you know i mean he was that guy that had like the crazy hair that you know that wore like the flannel shirts and had like this really kind of you know unique guitar playing style with monkey from corn i mean yeah that's the dynamic that basically that's when you look at Brian Head welsh that's what you know what stuck out when you first listen to corn um so when i first heard the ep chemicals um i was a little taken back um not only because he, he had a pretty good voice but um you know i mean he he wasn't ever known for as i said before i mean he wasn't known for doing any kind of singing corn you know occasionally you know he did like the the shouty parts when it came to you know exchanging stuff between jonathan davis and him yeah um so yeah it, it was quite it was quite a surprise to hear that he had like quite a melodic voice um well when it came to him performing um so uh, you know Not only was there that voice, but he also kind of um, kept that weird, scratchy, schizophrenic guitar that he was known for, uh, you know, throughout Korn's records. You know, Um, not only was it kind of like a thing that, I mean, when you listen to the first Korn album, it was so it was such a uh, it was such a unique dynamic of like these like these two guitar players that kind of bounced off one another and they had like this like really unique uh, they each like I believe they were each of them played eight string guitars and there was like this weird again schizophrenic kind of uh, nature to them Um, so it was kind of nice to hear that he had kept that you know uh, in terms of his own sort of unique uh, playing ability and and, you know what he brought to love and death Um, and uh, I mean once i initially listened to the chemicals e p um i you know i then moved on between um between here and the lost which was their two thousand and twelve debut record um and again it, it was kind of it was a good listen i mean it has some huge songs on it such as uh, meltdown and paralyzed um and uh, yeah and 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 here we are eight years later uh, i mean it's no surprise that it's been a while since there's been a new release from uh, Love and Death. Considering heads, obviously, now back in uh, you know in a, in a little band called Corn, and you know he's obviously since brought out records with them. So, <clears throat> I mean, what did you guys think about Love and Death?
1: Uh, I didn't mind this release. To be fair, I think straight from the get go, it wasn't really a hundred percent to my taste. I found it to be, be a bit more of the sort of samey, samey after a while. But mm-hmm. I did I dug some of the guitar work, and I definitely the first thing I noticed I did strike a few similarities between this and Breaking Benjamin, which wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> okay. I know it's strange, but hear me out. But wouldn't be so surprising considering they have uh, Breaking Benjamin's guitarist Jason Rouch on bass, who joined the band last year.
0: Oh, was it so really? Think,
1: okay. Yeah, so I think that's where the um, where the comparison comes from. I'm a it's huge like, breaking I am a huge Breaking Benjamin fan, by the way. So this was not a bad thing for me at oh,
0: all. Oh fair. Because I, I was I was looking at Christoph for a second, like, look at Barney going right out at the fucking going right for the jugular before we've even fucking talked about the music. Like, fuck me, he's comparing <laughs> to fucking Breaking Benjamin already.
1: <laughs> <But, laughs> this is a bad thing. I like I love Breaking Benjamin. So there was like I noticed quite a lot of similarities in guitar work and in music. So I was one it was a positive, not a negative okay. at all.
0: Fair enough. What about you, Christoph? I mean, did you have any previous with them or was was this like your first?
2: No, I saw him sort of advertised as the singles came out on Spotify, not Spotify, on Instagram and kind of checked them out, was stoked that he had a side project. And yeah, I just felt it was a bit clusterfucky. Yeah, uh, like, I got past had these, I think you you had I'll, these I'll really the phone, heavy, too. very corn inspired intros. And then the intro ends and you've got like clean vocals and clean guitars, which isn't bad, but it just seemed like a reoccurring thing. Mm-hmm. None of the songs kind of built or anything. <laughs> yeah. And I think having members of Korn and Breaking Benjamin and Red, like Finish like so any much. sort of, yeah, like any sort of super groupy type thing, you either get a clusterfuck where you become a sum of all of your parts. Or you make something amazing and new. And I just feel like this sounded too much like all its individual yeah, exactly. bands mushed into one thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at and, something like Killer Be Killed, which is an amazing song, which is like an amazing supergroup.
2: And why they did a Justin Bieber <laughs> s- song, you know, like <laughs> like struggling to get into it at the start. It got better. I feel like after the first half it started getting better. And The last song, Mm -hmm. fucking White Flag, was incredible. But yeah, you're like you're struggling, and then you get hit by this Justin Bieber song. That if you're going to do a cover of a really, really shit pop song, either make it a standalone. You know, Unleash the Archers did Northwest Passage, which didn't go on the album. It was just here's a single, here's a cover song. And they should have done that or made it a bonus track. Like, don't throw it as the fourth track on your album. You know, it was really Mm -hmm. off. Yeah. But, like, there were great instrumental parts, but yeah, it all just felt there was no organization to any of the tracks or no order to anything. It was just chaotic. Yeah,
1: that was uh that was my gripe yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, I mean this is definitely a uh, a more melodic record uh compared to their 2012 debut. Um I mean I, I can see this appearing to a like a, a mainstream radio listener um <clears throat> so you, you know when like songs are edited for radio versions so i mean when you consider radio uh you gotta think of like you know daytime radio where, where there's going to be a lot of casual music listeners that you know that listen to this kind of thing yeah so you know radio versions tend to you know take heavy bits out of songs uh, make them shorter and uh i feel that with the songs throughout this record there would have been some conscious decisions that were made um when it came to writing them as in like you know a song like the hunter for example um it has like this big sing-along chorus with like a heavy bit chucked in the middle of it and uh you can kind of see that you know from a editing perspective you know it's the heavy parts only like, you know, 25 seconds, not even that. They could just basically chop that part of the song out and then join the rest of it together. And then you've basically got like a radio friendly rock song that would yeah. appeal to like yeah, these, these, you know, these casual listeners. Um and I, I kind of feel that like a lot of a lot of songs throughout the record have that have that about it, whereas you could quite easily take A number of these songs from the record and kind of chop them up in a way where they you know they cut out a lot of the heavy stuff and they then you kind of stuck with this very melodic radio friendly rock music which could appeal to you know as i say these these kind of casual listeners um I, i i mean like you guys i think i did struggle to vibe with the record if i'm perfectly honest with you yeah um I mean, <laughs> having a cover of a Justin Bieber song um, that really doesn't deviate from the original version of the song, um, other than having some guitar on it, you know, it's like, uh, you're. I mean, that's only track four on the record. And uh, if you're going to make, I mean, if you're going to do a cover of a song that's, you know, quite a popular mainstream song, and you're, you know, you're coming from it, at, uh, you know, from the perspective of like a metal band, I mean, you could have maybe have put it maybe towards the end of the record or even put it as a bonus track, you know, uh, to yeah. a certain extent, because at the end of the day, you, you know, your main fan base are going to be listening to you to listen to your own material and listen to some heavy stuff as opposed to a popular pop song you know, that's like exactly. right at the beginning of your record.
1: Yeah, um, and exactly. And one thing I wanted to bring up is like, I give them credit for trying and especially on the Justin Bieber cover, they got Lacey Sturm, who used to be the vocalist of Flyleaf Inn and she did quite a good job, but there's only so much you can polish a turd. At the end of the day, it's still a Justin <laughs> Bieber song. So kudos for yeah, trying, yeah. but it's, it's, not, it's not their fault to be fair. It's a Justin Bieber song.
2: So
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a ter- like, Yeah, it's a terrible song. It, I but
2: mean, there it, are ten million other it. shit pop songs you can cover.
1: Yeah. He yeah. could have done fucking yeah. despacito and that might have been more interesting.
2: Yeah. My I mean,
1: might have been. I it's the might.
2: at least they're not a preachy Christian band, you know. When I went in and saw them from like it was like oh Christian metal I'm like oh here we go it's gonna be edgy creed like yeah, yeah. <laughs> edgy but like creed. you don't like I fucking love that
0: edgy creed edgy creed <laughs> oh. I think we found a uh, an episode title
1: <laughs> edgy creed. oh we gotta do a creed we gotta do one of the creed albums for slayed and celebrated we could do like oh. human clay or something like that
0: yeah, <laughs> our, like life's too short for that Barnaby
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got a death wish so let's do it I want to yeah. hear I want to I want to see Scott stopped turning up the boat with an MP5 and his ass be like, "You jack shit, son." <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, I mean, the record itself. I mean, I I um I don't think it's terrible. I mean, that there are riffs that are scattered all over the record. Um, I mean, an example: the opening of a song like "Death of Us." Yeah, uh, yeah. which is, is is fuck it is such a good opener. I love that riff. You know that that is like classic brian head welsh uh you know riffing you know you could picture that on a you well, you could you can imagine that being on like you know a corn song um and like what christoph said like a, a majority of these songs do open up with that really good kind of uh riff you know it's just like it's such a heavy unique scattergun like uh, schizophrenic uh approach to you know playing guitar and <laughs> It's just a sh- uh, for me personally. It's a shame that they they eventually these songs do eventually delve into these very kind of melodic, radio friendly, like sing along kind of songs. Whereas you know, I, I mean, I I'm I'm a corn fan that likes listening to a song like fucking Twist where you've got like you know you know all that crazy <laughs> yeah. shit that Jonathan yeah. Davis does. You know, it's just like uh, that. That's um, yeah for my taste anyway i i found this to be a bit kind of uh a bit a bit weak if i'm perfectly honest um,
1: yeah, um i think i fall into that camp as well
0: yeah but i mean it's not to say that if you aren't a fan of you know the creeds and that very radio friendly esque, i mean shine down if you're a fan of them i'm pretty certain that you would fucking love this album um but coming at it from somebody who's used to as i say you know uh corn and you know uh, the more kind of heavier end of things it was kind of it was very much a bit too um a bit too uh radio friendly for my tastes mm. um but yeah i mean did any of you guys anything else have anything else to add to love and death before we move on or is that uh is that pretty mm. much it that no, i think was? so
1: no i think i've oh, said yeah. what i needed to so. say
0: yep okay well, there we go. Uh, Love and Death perfectly preserved their second record on Earache Records. Uh, it is out now. OK, um, so moving on to the second record that we're going to be talking about uh, this week is uh, from none other than Dave Grohl and Co. The Foo Fighters, back with the 10th studio record. Um this is an album that was originally scheduled to be released in 2020 uh but due to the the pandy it got pushed back
1: to uh, <laughs> pandy yeah
0: to the pandy it got pushed back to this year um, so uh on the build up to this record uh taylor hawkins and Grohl um mentioned that this record would have more of a pop orientated vibe about it in comparison to previous records. Um, according to Wikipedia grow likened this album to uh, David Bowie's let's dance, uh, which immediately, as soon as I read that, my, you know, my skepticism started to, uh, overhear, yeah. if you like, uh, I mean, <clears throat> i mean foo fighters what was the i mean do you guys have much of a relationship with the foo fighters i mean do, are, are you a fan
1: oh yeah I'm a, I'm a i'm i wouldn't say i'm a die-hard fan but i am a fan of the foo fighters i love them okay.
0: cool what about you Christoph. i mean we should mention to listeners as well that Christoph shares an uncanny resemblance to uh dave Grohl. uh so we, we won't try and pick up on him about that too much while he's talking about this but uh <laughs> what, what, what's your relationship with the foo fighters mate
2: well, apart from uh, starting my own tribute band for the Foo Fighters, the Poo Fighters, which <laughs> hopefully won't get me in a legal jam, mm-hmm. um, hey. I love them as much as any other person. You know, they're one of those bands who's fucking hard to hate. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that's where I come from as well.
2: Yeah, I think Dave Grohl's
0: just got that. He's he's just got that thing about him where there there are certain human beings that are just incapable of not liking. He's he's a
1: very wholesome human being. He's an all-round, he's an all-round lad, Dave Grohl.
2: Yeah, he was a rock star without you never having like hair like any. Oh, he went off the rails and over. He's like just this nice, pleasant rock star who likes to have a laugh and do good and uh, make good.
1: Doesn't care if he falls and breaks his leg on stage. He's like, I'm gonna make a fucking throne I can sit on, inspired by Game of Thrones. Like, what a legend. (laughs)
0: He's just, he's just a lad. I I, like Dave Grohl. He's, he is a fucking, he's a, he's a funny awesome human being uh that happens to have like an incredible distography of music behind him um but for me i've not been a fan of the last few records (laughs) regardless of what i've just said before that Uh, i mean the last record i can remember listening to religiously was echo silence patience and grace um
1: yeah that was a good record to be fair
0: yeah i mean that's i mean that had the pretender and that had like you know it, i mean i i fuck it i used to listen to that record religiously um and yeah. that was back in 2007 um so it's been a while for me personally since i've enjoyed a food fighters record um so uh i mean being so disconnected from the food fighters before listening to this new record uh i should add um this is medicine at midnight again which is the 10th record by through fighters so coming into this record um it was pretty cool that i i could approach this as someone that hadn't heard any of the singles at all um i mean i I literally I, i could come into this with like an open mind and uh you know reading the background of the record uh as i said before it did make me pretty skeptical uh when you compare you know um the the sound of the foo fighters against you know an album like let's dance uh that kind of felt like a bit of a stretch because they're they're quite far removed from each other <laughs> yeah but um you know so so the sun was out i put my vans on and uh, i went for my government mandated walk with the the new foo fighters album and uh i got to say i had a lovely fucking time um, I mean, what did you guys reckon when you uh, when you first stuck this on?
1: Um, I mean, what can I say? Actually, I know it's going to sound really surprising, but I dug it. I think like, a lot of it was like, aimed towards this really catchy, sort of happy-go-lucky, feel-really-good vibe. And I've got to say, it was a nice contrast compared to their early material. Because I think I'm in the same camp as you, Stephen, where I've always been really attached to the like mid-2000s stuff. And then after that, I've sort of dropped off the radar a little bit. But i think this was a very refreshing turn to listening to them to be honest like take the instance the opening trap track making a fire there's like some nice really catchy background vocals and that really perked my interest so i thought this is not like anything i've ever heard them done before i quite dug that Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of like really good guitar work and generally the album kept me really engaged i think they pulled off quite a banger with this one
0: yeah yeah I mean uh crystal's very biased, but go on, mate. I mean, what did you uh, <laughs> what did you reckon when you were uh, when you first put play on uh, press play on this?
2: Yeah, I fucking dug it. It was nice and fresh. I feel like there was a lot of dire straits and a lot of queens of the stone age sort of in um yeah, influence. Age, in it. Definitely. Like yeah, man, especially in things like shame shame. Yes, and yeah. like holding poison, had that weird little Glockenspiel or whatever it is, the little In the background, every couple of bars, and like you just can't help but have a little bop. Yeah, Yeah, and they had a few slightly heavier sounds, but every song was different. Mm
1: -hmm. And I really
2: liked that because you know you're listening to it, and then a couple of tracks in you're like, huh, it's just ever changing and revolving and fresh. Yeah. 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 I mean my own sorry, my only gripe with it was the song Waiting on a war. Okay, Which interesting. Just sounded so much. I think the guitar was almost identical to "Learn to Fly."
0: Yeah, uh, I can see where you're coming yeah. from. He's uh, like, got that strumming
2: uh, yeah. pattern and like the chord progression and everything, and it was kind of weird. But then it gets really heavy about halfway through. Yeah. But apart from that, the whole thing was so nice and fresh.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I was I was so pleasantly surprised because, I mean. It's very far removed from the foo fighters of old uh, I mean y- yeah. you can obviously you can clearly tell uh, that the age aspect of the band has had its effects on the general sound I mean you know it's not as fast and punchy as like you know old school foo fighters material um but you know. Bear in mind, I mean, I'm saying this is somebody who, you know, the last record that I went in on was like 14 years ago, you know, so uh, yeah, exactly. it's understandable that you know the band, the members of the band themselves, including Grohl, you know, that they're going to slow down eventually, and they're going to kind of want to do material that's uh, that's a bit more uh, representative of their age, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, as Barney said, I mean, the record opens with a song called "Making a Fire." and uh it had like this very kind of upbeat gospel-esque backing vocal around it um and it kind of like w you know when i when i put this on and went for the walk it put an extra spring in my step it was it was just such a such an uplifting song uh sh- i think shame shame's probably my favorite on the record um just because like, yeah yeah, still I mean,
1: got, I've still got to decide what mine is.
0: Yeah, I mean, Christoph mentioned it before, but it's got that very kind of like desert-esque feel like this, the early Queens of Stone Age albums had. Um, it's just like this very kind of, uh, it's like a constant build, that song, that has this very subtle refrain of, you know, just the word shame. And uh, I, I don't know, I just, I just, I'm drawn to that song. I don't know why. It's just such a very kind of unique song that I, I don't think they've, they've done anything like that before um cloud spotter i like that it kind of has this very kind of uh on the nose nod to like Jimi hendrix with like excuse me while i yeah. uh, kiss the sky you know it's obviously yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> in the vein of purple haze um i mean when dave Grohl referenced david bowie's let's dance uh i couldn't hear any of that until the title track medicine at midnight came along um which which had you know it was pretty on the nose in terms of the uh you listen to you know medicine at midnight and it's got that blatant 80s style percussion surrounded by those synths you know i mean it's just like you can't mistake that for not being a song that's like clearly ingrained in like the early kind of 80s synth pop kind of uh stuff you used to get back then yeah. um i mean again i enjoyed it i mean if you're going to pay homage to uh that era of music then uh I, I don't think they could have done a better job to be honest with you um and uh yeah no no son of mine which again is kind of in a contend- contender as like the best song on the record for me um it had like this uh this white zombie-esque style riff that just descends into this like three-minute barroom banger. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it again. It's just, uh, it's just really good again to say that uh, you know there's a, a Foo Fighters album that I enjoy uh, because, as you know, I mean, albums prior to this, I didn't mind a few things off of Wasting Light. I thought the record after that. Uh, what was it preserving something gold? I can't remember. Uh, Concrete I... and gold. Concrete and
2: gold. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I lost that... track
1: after uh, a lot. I... I think I lost track after Sonic Highways. That was the last one I really
2: enjoyed. Yeah, so I don't... really liked Concrete and Gold, mainly for like the recording style they used. Like, it wasn't high end. It wasn't sparkly. It was one of those albums that I think when you listen to it, you know that that's what it's going to sound like live.
0: Yeah,
2: and I know a lot of people hated it for that, mm-hmm. but yeah i fucking loved that album it got a lot of stick that it didn't deserve
0: fair enough i mean i i thought that because it was one of those records where was it the uh the sky is a neighborhood that was the yeah. single off that record and i was just like i heard it and i was just like i'm really not vibing with this and then i put yeah, the record yeah, on enough. and i was i was just it's, it's really it, i think it was just because it was so far removed from you know I mean, as I say, I mean the last album I really enjoyed by them was back in 2007, and then you know, 10 years later, and and this is the kind of stuff they're coming out with. I was just, I was just kind of, it's another one of it's a kind of very ploddy kind of Foo Fighters record. You know, there's not a lot going on, but um you know, here I am, like you know, we're in 2021, and a couple of years after a Concrete and Gold, and. I'm loving Medicine at Midnight. I just think it's such yeah. a uh, it's such an upbeat record.
2: Um it's got too much of a summary vibe though to be released. Like what is it? You said that they had put it back, but I feel like yeah, if I mean, they I had think saved they... it another two, three months, it would have been a perfect release time. Yeah. But you can't hold on to something like that forever. Yeah, exactly. It's it... such a nice vibe. Yeah. I
0: mean I I think with this it'll be it'd be a good thing to um maybe not listen to it for uh, a few months until at least it's spring or until like we start getting longer evenings, you know, where it's not so dark and miserable. And you put this on on like a a summer evening where the sun's like, you know, going down at like eight in the evening and you put this record on and you've got, you know, a few drinks behind you. It's just like, I I, I can imagine this being a fucking... This is kind of an album that I feel will blossom as the year progresses. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's, just like... it's
1: gonna definitely be a grower, and I can definitely picture myself sitting up on the bridge of my of the boat with like a couple yeah. of ciders and a cigar, and just watching the sun go down. And then a horrible
2: barbecue. And
1: then all of a sudden, I realize it's all a dream, and I wake up, and Weezer's blasting in my fucking <laughs> <room and I'm laughs> my roof, Rivers for Cuomo for going sake. upstairs, and upstairs. Oh, like I'm back in the... lockdown hell
0: fuck oh mate you i I had such like i was literally going through this daydreamy sense of like heinz barbecue sauce and sunlight and like you know the food fighters album and cider and then you had to use the fucking w word you had to said weezer and then that immediately i just like took me right out of it
1: um (laughs) it's a heavy weezer album inspired by wait for it would you like to guess weezer
0: Weezer, yeah. Were you going to say Van Halen, but then that would be too on the fucking nose for them, you know. Um, yeah, but uh, Foo Fighters, "Medicine at Midnight." I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, my best advice to would be to anybody would be to you know, even if you listen to this record once, let it, you know, uh, put it to one side for a bit, and then put it back on in the summer, and I can guarantee this album's going to sound so much better. Uh, yeah. when you've got like, you know, the, that kind of sunny environment around you with the sun out and, you know, a few ciders and a barbecue and the smell of smoke in the air. It's just, um, yeah, I, I really, I'm really, really over the moon with, uh, this record. I, uh, it's just nice to say that you enjoy a Foo Fighters record again. Um, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's nice to see them do something different for a change. And it's something which is not entirely out of their style, but it's pushing the envelope, so to speak.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Anything else to add to Foo Fighters before we move on? The limited vinyls they've released for it are fucking stunning. I've not even seen it. They have a a transparent red one which is slightly more expensive and less copies been printed but they've got like a, a navy blue like transparent navy blue Uh, It almost looks like it's mottled with a slightly lighter blue and they're fucking gorgeous. I really shouldn't have looked. When I was trying to find earlier, because of the whole um, Queens of the Stone Age-esque vibe that a couple of tracks have, I thought maybe Josh Hom had a hand in production so i made the mistake of googling the album and the first thing google did was went, look at the pretty vinyl to add to your collection and i, was <laughs> like, I was like, no. dude come on like, i don't need this right now but i hate I it, need I it hate right this. now
1: Like, i've got another confession to make i'm gonna have to buy the vinyl
0: yeah I'm, mate, I'm 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 kind of i am very um i'm i'm so tempted like uh i don't think i even own any uh foo fighters records on vinyl uh and it'll be it would be very telling of the, the new record to sort of be the first one to be on vinyl considering, you know, how good it is uh, when you consider that they've got like classic albums, you know, like the color and the shape and, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I will, uh, I will look at that when we finish recording because uh, I'm, I'm over the moon with this record. Yeah. Um, Okay so uh yeah once again that was the food fighters medicine at midnight and uh that actually uh sums up the reviews for uh this week on the show um which leaves us more than enough time to delve into this week's slated and celebrated um okay so uh this week's slated and celebrated um i think other than suicide silence uh this has got to be up there in terms of records that were absolutely dragged through the coals um i mean once again by fans uh music outlets peers um again so this week's record does come from the eighth studio record from death metal pioneers morbid angel uh, with 2011's elude divinium insanus uh, which translated from latin means divine crazy um so a, a band that are highly regarded as, as regarded as innovators of the death metal genre. Uh, I mean, they have got classic records such as Altars of Madness, uh, Blessed Are the Sick, Covenant. Um, for my money, um, Domination, which is the best death metal record that's ever been written.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a good shout. Is,
0: it's just a sludgy masterpiece. Um, so. Uh, th- this was in many ways uh, a comeback record uh, because the band's lineup was fairly sporadic. As original vocalist David Vincent had left the band in 1996, but then returned back in 2004. Uh, whilst he was away, the band had replaced a fir- uh, had replaced him with a Steve Tucker and released a further three records. Um, their last being uh, 2003's Heretic um so then comes the return of david vincent as i say back in 2004 uh and a number of years would roll by with touring and whatnot um so much so that the uh not only is this record we're talking about the eighth studio release from the band uh is exactly eight years since their last release um so in death metal circles this was very much the equivalent of tool uh releasing a new album Um, you know like a, a you know <laughs> if you want to look at it in the sense of a band that is so highly regarded as pioneers and then you know they've been away for so long then they're bringing out a new record yeah uh, then you know in death metal circles this was it this was the equivalent of tool bringing out a new record um but we didn't quite get a fear inoculum um so (laughs) Barnaby, have you got any previous with Morbid Angel? I mean, uh, is there any records that have stuck out for you?
1: I certainly do and actually I was going to put this out there that um, Gateways to Annihilation is my all time favourite death metal record, I absolutely love that album Mm -hmm. Brilliant,
0: okay and uh, what about you Christoph? I mean you don't sort of suit me as the type of uh, uh, Morbid Angel (laughs) Um, is there any previous with this band you've got buddy?
2: No, not really. Like, I just started listening to them when you threw them up for the Slated and Celebrated, and I couldn't help yeah. but notice how drastically different this album was. Yes. From yeah. Else done, <laughs> you know? Like, obviously, there are a couple of albums I hadn't listened to, like when we did the Slated and Celebrated. Whereas these guys, I made time because, like, I was like, there's got to be no offense to it, there's got to be better. Yeah. So I went through. And yeah, basically worked my way through their discography the past few days. Mm-hmm. It's a bit badass.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, no bones about it. I mean, Morbid Angel. Ah, uh, when you look at death metal as a genre, I, I, I can't really emphasise how important Morbid Angel were uh, in terms of forming the sound of it, and uh, you know, the albums that they had given us. Uh, you know they're an they're an incredible incredible band with quite a rich discography of death metal records um now based on obviously what we've said up to this point uh there was quite a lot of anticipation surrounding this album uh because as i said it's it's the first brand new record in eight years they're they're back with their original singer david vincent um so i just want to I just want to read out a few things uh, that some of the uh, the, the uh, metal outlets had to say about this record before we dive in. So um, Metal Sucks gave this one star out of five. One, one star? One star out of five. Okay, um, man. Blabbermouth gave it four out of ten. Uh, the album was quoted as being a failed experiment and a joke and described illusion davidium insanus as morbid angels saint anger uh fans felt bemused and baffled in the group's attempt to add in the industrial element to the album um so the record in itself uh was quite i mean i wouldn't say it was a huge departure from the albums they had made up to this point i mean it's still a death metal record. There's no bones about it. You know, it's, it's still a very, very heavy, heavy death metal record. Um, but there was, I mean, there did seem to be quite a conscious decision made in terms of the direction uh, and the sound. So, um, you know, the, the the band had introduced quite industrial based elements to it. Um, and they, they, you know, they were obviously trying to keep the death metal Sound in there, but they were again introducing these, uh, very kind of
1: you mean, even Fear
0: Factory esque, uh, kind
1: of say Rob Zombie esque,
0: yeah, Rob Zombie, um, esque sounds into the music. Um, I remember the very first Bloodstock that I went to was back in 2011, and uh, Morbid Angel had a sub headline slot before uh, I think it was Motorhead, and uh. I remember walking around Bloodstock at that point and I was kind of, I saw so many Morbid Angel shirts and I was aware of them. um, Mm. And, uh, you know, I distinctly remember walking around and seeing all of these people that were just absolutely chomping at the bit to see Morbid Angel. But when I was standing near these people and I heard them having conversations about their new records, it was so weird because the language they were using about them and the way that they would, the the way that they would describe their new record was, you know, it it was as if like, you've just given a death metal fan, uh, my chemical romance album to listen to, you know, (laughs) they were just absolutely tearing it to pieces despite them wearing a morbid angel t-shirt. And I was like, fuck me. Like, what has this band done to completely alienate their fan base? Um, and obviously, you know, we get Elude Davidium Insanus. Uh, so what did you guys think when you uh, when you listened to this record based on their previous previous material? Shall I go
2: first? Because, yeah, was, yeah, be, yeah, I'd sure, yeah, yeah. To, obviously, you wanted yeah. to dive into it, into it. um. I felt it was really fucking strange. Like, obviously I didn't have a lot of previous experience with them. And yeah, I found this kind of death metal-y, black metal sort of tinges with a weird industrial edge felt like a bit of a mess. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of tracks in, they get into it. And then you have like, almost in a way, it's like cheesy death metal of like this I am morbid like yeah it was a banger of a tune but it kind of it felt very very cheesy and I think if you were drunk and they played it you'd be right into it but yeah it felt a bit weird and then there were things like oh what's the song called is "Destructo's versus earth or destruction yeah. versus yeah. earth which it just felt like a machine uh, machine head a mushroom head song yeah. I'm like it was weird. And then I re then I like listened to their previous albums to this and yeah, it's like day and night. Mm. It was just just odd. So I understand why it would have got slated because it was just like you said about some of the Foo Fighters stuff is so far removed from anything they sounded like. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what about you, Barnaby? I mean, what did you uh
0: what did you think once you had heard This record,
1: Uh, I mean, I'm gonna get the brutally honest stuff out the way. You know, like as
0: soon as he opens up, like a dialogue with, oh, you know what's gonna come. No, but this is (laughs) trust me, this is
1: gonna be my same take as I had on the suicide silence self-titled. Where that, this I'm gonna say this politely, this was not for me at all, however it did not deserve to be slated as badly as it did for a number of reasons which i shall get into which is one it wasn't as you mentioned steven it wasn't a total departure from the death metal sound they're familiar with mm. like when you get a track like i am morbid where they still have the double bass and the blast beats and the over the top solos with the floyd rose trade doing his thing it's like okay yeah this is morbid angel like it wasn't yeah. a completely far-fetched departure from what they were known for in the 90s with like you know uh, where the slime live, and you know all those tracks. Yeah. But the problem I just had is like the death metal stuff on this album—it just felt stale and bland. Like, like yeah, this is death metal, but it's not lighting a fire in me. Yeah, I just felt like it was a little bit—the death metal stuff was a little bit too generic, and then the stuff they did over the top, like as um, Christoph mentioned with Destructors versus Dr Slash Attack, it just felt like this is like a completely different sort of style of music
0: just a different band in many ways
1: exactly yeah so i just felt like as someone who loves death metal i i didn't really enjoy this but i do give them a respect for trying and i really appreciate that they decided you know fuck it let's try doing something different and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't
0: okay yeah i mean that's fair i mean i feel like that's very much um i mean that's a very kind of open-minded opinion to have Whereas a Mm. lot of their fan base up to that point were basically, as I said before, they felt so alienated and they felt so angry towards their decision to move towards this more industrialized sound.
1: Uh, Exactly, yeah.
0: Now, I mean, for me personally, I fucking love this record. (laughs) Uh, That's that's fair enough. There's a few reasons. Now, um, like, when I put on the records uh i mean I, I going all the way back to the very first episode of this this show and we reviewed cataclysm's records. i distinctly remember telling you that the singer of cataclysm had a very kind of david vincent-esque style about his voice yes you know, although it was very ingrained in the classic you know death metal uh vocal approach you could really kind of uh, pick out the uh you could really pick out the vocals and you could really understand you know what they were saying and you know what they were you know what they were trying to express and I feel that David Vincent's got such a unique voice mm-hmm. that regardless of what he puts his name to i mean you know Morbid angel or uh you know I mean he's since come out with with other bands, he's just got such a unique vocal style that as soon as i hear a song with david vincent on it i I know that it's it's immediately him Mm. um so you know in comparison to you know i mean as we said this is the first record david uh, david vincent had put his name to uh since 1994 i believe or 1995 which was when uh domination came out um and you listen to the records with steve tucker and steve tucker tends to have you know that traditional kind of like cookie monster voice you know david vincent's got that he's got that voice where you can really distinguish what he's saying and he's got such a unique kind of approach to the way that he uh he does it um and in terms of the songs i mean yeah i mean destructo destructo destructos versus the earth slash attack, to give it its correct title. Um, It was very unusual to sort of chuck a 10-minute industrial song in the middle of a death metal record. Uh, But in many ways, I feel like that was a conscious decision because they knew that it was going to kind of put people off their guard. You know, it kind of... Yeah, which it did. A band with the heritage that Morbid Angel has, they must have gone into this record knowing that people are going to expect a certain thing from them they're going to expect them to sound you know uh like a, like you know like the way they did previously but they wanted to they wanted to approach this in a different way they kind of wanted to surprise people i think um and you know you listen to destruct us versus the earth slash attack and you listen to songs like radical which are essentially they've got like this very kind of marilyn manson-esque uh feel about them you know that they're kind of very kind of chanty songs which is not something that you would have associated morbid angel with uh before um but i just like that they introduced this different element to their sound um i mean so much so that although they've got these different songs in the record by no stretch of the imagination have they abandoned, you know, th- that, that signature death metal sound that they were pioneers of. I mean, yeah. a song like Existo Vulgar is, I mean, I, <laughs> it's fucking incredible. I love Existo Vulgura. It's got the classic blast beats, you know. It's, it's everything that you want from a Morbid Angel record. Um, but, you know... Same goes for Blades for Bell. I mean, I I think that that's just a classic Morbid Angel sounding song. Um, And then you obviously you get into a song like I Am Morbid, which Christoph said is like a very kind of uh, chanty fist in the air song.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I fucking love it.
0: I mean, Sober or Drunk, I think it's just a very, very good song. Um, And I felt that like, you know, the fact that the band decided to introduce these different elements into their album, such as industrial and a more kind of, you know, chanty Marilyn Manson esque sound, Mm. uh, in no way kind of, uh, deserved the abuse that the record in itself received. Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, you know, since this record, I mean, David Vincent has again, left the band, And we've had the return of Steve Tucker again. So it's kind of like the band have done a complete 180 back to, you know, 2003, where, you know, (laughs) they've kind of since disregarded this record. And they've continued down the path uh, that they were on up till 2003's Heretic, um, which, again, is just that very, you know, they released a record in 2017 to follow up to this, which I believe was called uh, Kingdom Disdained.
1: Kingdoms um, Sustained, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: which, again, has gone back to that kind of very generic death metal sound, uh, which is okay, but, I mean, I just like the fact that they had decided to make a conscious decision about doing something a bit different, and, you know, uh, it just doing something that was completely unexpected. And, uh, you know, I, I think that this record says more about the fan base than it does the band themselves, because... You know, it just to me it the amount of backlash this record got really kind of highlighted more the uh the kind of closed-minded nature that metalheads tend to have.
1: Yeah, that's something uh, i that's something I wanted to bring up, and that seems to be something that all the records we've done for Slayton and Celebrator have had in common, regardless of whether it's been this or Ire by Parkway Drive, or even Catharsis by Machine where it's been like yeah. As soon as the band makes any sort of change, it's almost just like it's, you know, being hung in the main square for them. That's what their fate's yeah. gonna be, and I think that's something which really needs to be addressed. Where it's like, change isn't always necessarily a bad thing, or it's never necessarily a permanent thing. Mm-hmm. So if you approach it from a completely fresh perspective, then you yeah. might not. It might not be so bad. And I think that's yeah. why I feel like that's what this rec- this record didn't get the chance it deserved. Even mm-hmm. though I will agree, it's not my cup of tea at all. I still gave it the chance of thinking, okay, well, maybe I can approach this with a fresh mindset and maybe it might be my thing.
2: Yeah. So I learned this as a kid. Like when you're a kid, you always have that thing of like a band releases an album with a different sound and you instantly throw that thing going, they're a sellout.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: And, and, And you hate on it. And then you listen to it again a few years later and you're like, actually you're not like, this is good. It's just not what I'm used to. It's, it, you know, AFI's December Underground. They released it and I couldn't have hated an album more if I tried. Yeah. And I went off them completely for years. But then I re-listened to it as an adult and I was like, well, just take. I think the thing with artists is you got to take an album as an album, not like as a collective of people, because I re-listened to it now. It's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But you got to take how you got to take music, especially as artists. A lot of them that we know and love in this day and age get older. Yeah, it's not going to be the same. You know, you got to take it as a piece of work, not yeah. what you expect from people.
1: Yeah, I mean, didn't you bring this up? Didn't you bring this up, Christoph? When we were discussing Suicide Silence's record, where it's like not everybody's going to be as pissed off as they were in their thirties as they were in their twenties. Like people are going to have like a family, a wife, kids. Yeah, they're going to be like. Life's not that
2: bad. Yeah. People change. And as an artist, like a painter artist, if you're a painter, you can paint a portrait and people will go, that's a nice portrait. And then you paint a fucking piece of graffiti and they go, I like that. That's got hard edges. But if you're a band like Morbid Angel and you release a death metal album, people go, it's a nice death metal album. Then you release an industrial album and they go, that's not a fucking death metal album. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, oh like, no shit. You know? Yeah. And they're like, but I wanted to do something. That guy who did graffiti, you said was great. Yeah, but that's not a death metal album. And mm. you're like, I think artists, musicians get pigeonholed a lot. Yeah. And you just need to understand yeah. that they want to branch out. They're gonna yeah. get more like, oh, they don't just do the same generic riffs. Oh, they've started soloing. Yeah. He's learned how to play a fucking guitar after all these yeah. years. I mean well, look better, like.
1: I mean I see that I see I saw that in the progression of Vector Morphers. Now they've included a lot more lead playing in their work. It's like they're not gonna stay the same as they were like seven or eight <laughs> years ago. I think it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what the reaction is gonna be from the Metalcore community when a new architects record comes out, because I think that's gonna divide the fan base a little bit more than people anticipated. So I think yeah. we're gonna definitely we're gonna definitely keep discussing this time and time again
0: it's going to be a recurring thing uh, i mean all you gotta exactly. do is look at the uh, the conscious decisions that a band like bring me the horizon have made yep. you know there's no way that uh the bring me the horizon of today and the the audience that they attract today uh there's no way that the people that listen to the modern bring me are going to have any kind of uh desire to listen to you know a fucking suicide season or something like that you know it's just like it's not it's so far removed from uh what they've done previously but you know you look at them now and they're like one of the biggest bands in the uk so they've obviously made a conscious decision to uh progress um and try and kind of appeal to more and more people uh i mean bear in mind that i mean morbid angel They're 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 a death metal band. I mean, let, let's be honest about it. There's no way whatsoever that death metal is ever going to kind of, you know, breach the uh, the the boundaries of uh, different genres. Because,
1: no, of course not. You
0: know, you can't call it death metal if it hasn't got that traditional kind of, you know, sound that death metal has. I don't think that sounds ever going to appeal to a bigger audience regardless of how open-minded you are you know um but at the same time you can appreciate that a band that are in morbid angel shoes that have essentially up to this point would have done like you know at least like fucking 30 years worth of the same kind of material why shouldn't they be allowed to just uh you know try something a bit different or experiment a little bit i at least think that they've earned the right to experiment with their sound without having the backlash that they would have got off the back of uh, this record, Um, you know, because in a way they've kind of done a suicide silence where they've come back with another record, uh, which has essentially gone back to that sound that they started off being. And in many ways, the band have suffered for it because, you know, they're just going to be be referred to now as that band that does good death metal songs. And that's it you know they are yeah, exactly. not they're not being given the opportunity to uh you know be something more than uh, a death metal band um absolutely and, you know uh yeah it is what it is uh, i mean again as i said before i'm i'm a huge fan of this record and i i love the fact that it pissed as many people off as it, off as it did uh because you know it just made me enjoy it all the more
1: um yeah exactly i mean i think that's why i enjoyed catharsis so much and ire by parkway drivers. Like it's stuff which broke the boundaries of what was ex well deemed acceptable in their yeah. respect just subgenres of metal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, well I mean uh is there anything else you guys have got to say on uh Morbid Angels Elude Divinim Sanus or uh are you all uh are you all satisfied with that?
1: I think I've said all I needed to say. Oh okay. good all right.
0: Cool. All right. In that case uh that brings us to the end of the show. So uh we appreciate you uh, listening to the show up to this point, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, with more stuff. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials: Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, you name it. And uh, yeah, again, we'll be back next week. So thank you very, very much for listening, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you later.
2: Goodbye for now. Peace.
0: Bye.